0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please?
1: You are listening
0: to The Big Cruise Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 98 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Bez, I'm your host, and this episode is recorded on uh, Sunday the 1st of May. Wow, we're flying through these weeks, aren't we? Um, of course, uh, we had a bonus episode this week and a huge congratulations to the team at Virgin Voyages, which will be welcoming... Uh, the third ladyship resilient lady to our Australian shores where she'll be homeported in Melbourne and Auckland you can find out all that extra information on the bonus episode that came out earlier this week um, also quick shout out to Gary Stafford in Sydney Gary thank you very very much you sent through some great photos of p Pacific Explorer at rest at Circular Quay in Sydney and of course a couple of extra photos of her repositioning around to White Bay which means sailing under the bridge so, so we've put those photos in today's show notes and if you like to see them head on to the website the big and click on episode 98 and you can see gary's uh, great images there as well also a thank you to Anne who sent in a great list of questions which chris will be answering in just a moment our schedule's a little crazy this week so chris has kindly pre-recorded the answer to Anne's question which we'll get to shortly and uh, it'll be me myself just me delivering cruise news this week which is always a bit of a, a roller coaster ride so uh, so do bear with us but uh, equally thank you to everybody wherever you are listening liking and subscribing Uh, we really do appreciate it and uh, it is for you that we do this podcast. So uh, keep sending in those questions, keep interacting. And if you do have anything you want to send through to us, you can do it via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner, and that's how you can get in touch. Send us a question, send us uh, some images, whatever you want to do. And uh, we look forward to including uh, those of you that get in touch with us in future episodes. But let's get uh, Chris on the line, and let's get uh, Anne's question underway. Here's a little sting of music, and then I'll be back with Chris and the question. Chris has kindly recorded uh, his answer to a great question um, from Anne, uh, which came in um, via the website. Anne was asking um, the historical significance on the, the different classes that are now found on board Cunard, uh, referring to, of course, uh, Britannia and Queen's uh, grills, etc. Um, so, Chris, over to you, mate.
2: That's a great question, and it actually links back to a few different parts of Cunard's history. When Cunard first commenced transatlantic services, everybody who sailed on board was considered first class. The accommodation on board the early steamships wasn't luxurious by any means. But if you were wealthy enough to afford a ticket on a steamship, you would have been considered in the higher classes, particularly in the United Kingdom. Uh, By the time the great ocean liners started transiting the North Atlantic for the uh, express services, we're thinking about the the turn of the 20th century when uh, you had uh, ships like Lusitania Mauritania, Cunard had developed into a three-class line. There was first class, which was the ultra-luxurious accommodation at the top of the ship, and then there was a second class or second cabin, which was people who were not quite wealthy enough to afford first class, but still had uh, a higher level of disposable income than, than most. Uh, and then there was third class or steerage. And these were mainly people who were migrating between Europe and the United States, as well as Canada. Fast forward to the era after World War One, and the United States imposed immigration quotas, which meant that the number of immigrants traveling on the westbound passage declined. This resulted in the emergence of tourist class, where passengers from the United States and Canada would actually travel back to Europe for holidays. Class accommodation was reworked into tourist class. Things remained like this until the Queen Elizabeth and Queen Mary came into service. And throughout the late 1940s and 1950s and into the 1960s, Cunard's ships were three class ships. First class, second class or second cabin and tourist class. Now when the jet airliner came into service uh, in the 1950s, particularly the Boeing 707 which completely revolutionised the way people travelled around the world, Uh, Cunard had some significant strife and and difficulties in maintaining a three-class passenger service on their ocean liners. There wasn't very much incentive, particularly in the 1960s, for passengers to travel in tourist class on a ship uh, for days at a time when they could uh, pay a similar amount to fly and get to their destination in a matter of hours. And throughout the 1960s, this became more and more of a problem for passenger shipping companies. So as Cunard started to think about what its future was going to look like in the mid-1960s, they developed plans for a new ship which would ultimately become the QE-2. Now initially it was considered that QE-2 would be a three-class ship, maintaining that same first, second and tourist class layout. But uh, sense prevailed, fortunately, and the decision was made to make her a two-class ship, first class and tourist class. Now, her predecessors' first class was the highest quality that you could possibly find on board passenger ships at the time. But in the tourist class areas, it was actually a step higher than what was found on the previous tourist class liners. Uh, You would actually see accommodations that included en suite bathrooms, uh, access to swimming pools, uh, multiple eateries, and many entertainment options on board Kiwi2. The ship was designed to be a two-class ship on the North Atlantic run, but also designed with the idea in mind that when she went cruising, she could be a single-class ship. This means that when the ship went cruising, passengers of any class could use the facilities on board the ship, with the exception of the restaurant. And it's aboard QE2 that we see the birth of the current Cunard restaurant set up. So when QE2 entered service, she had three restaurants on board. There was the Princess Grill, or the Grill Room as it was known when she first came into service, the Columbia Restaurant, which was also considered to be a first-class restaurant, and the Britannia Restaurant, which was the restaurant for her tourist-class passengers. Throughout the history of the QE2's career, this changed many times and by the time she retired she had 5 restaurants on board. There was the prestigious Queen's Grill which was added in the 1972 refit. This was of course the top tier restaurant on board the ship. There was the Princess Grill and a twin restaurant, the Britannia Grill, both considered the Princess Grill class, and they were reserved for the high-paying passengers in that class of accommodation. There was then the Coronia restaurant, which replaced the Columbia restaurant in the 1994 refit, and this was still considered a first-class dining experience, and the cabins were appointed very nicely with window views. And then there was the Mauritania grade, which was your entry-level accommodation with uh, some porthole cabins and other inside cabins, which had access to the Mauritania restaurant, which had replaced the Britannia restaurant on board QE2. So then when Cunard decided to build a new fleet of ships, starting with Queen Mary 2 and then of course Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth, they decided to simplify this process further. Today the ships have four restaurants. There's the Queen's Grill Restaurant, which remains the highest quality restaurant on board the ships and reserved for those paying the highest fares with the largest and most luxurious suites. The second highest grade of accommodation on board is the Princess Grill accommodation, and these passengers have access to the Princess Grill Restaurant, which is a slightly less luxurious twin to the Queen's Grill, but still very highly rated. Most passengers who travel on board the Cunard ships will be in Britannia grade accommodation which ranges from smaller inside cabins all the way through to quite well appointed and large balcony accommodation and they have access to the large Britannia dining rooms. These are two tiered dining rooms with two levels, in fact on Queen Mary 2 it's actually three levels. And the dining room has uh, two seatings, a early seating and a late seating for dinner. There is one last grade of accommodation on board the current fleet, which is the Britannia Club Accommodation. And this is a slight step above the Britannia Accommodation in terms of appointments and fixtures in the rooms, but has its own special restaurant that is smaller than the main Britannia restaurant and offers a more club-like atmosphere, as well as a slightly different menu. So the current Cunard fleet have those four levels of accommodation, each of which is linked to a restaurant in a unique style that was uh, established by the QE2 back in the 1960s. And one of the reasons why it works on Cunard when most other cruise lines have gone away from this kind of cabin and restaurant allocation is the Cunard formal nights. And it's such a big part of the voyage to have that luxury formal ambience on board that the restaurants become such a big part of the Cunard experience. Your dining, particularly in the evenings, is one of the main events on a Cunard cruise. So the linking of the restaurants to the cabin categories and the prestige that comes with the Queen's Grill and Princess Grill really does play into that luxury ocean liner experience and that look, look back into yesteryear that Cunard still trades so heavily on. So hopefully that answers that particular question. And uh, thanks so much for for sharing that question with us. Uh, It's great to hear from listeners like you, Anne. And thanks so much for uh, listening. And back to you, Baz.
1: Thank you, Chris. And of course, thank you to Anne for that great question. Always a fountain of knowledge. And uh, we look forward to having Chris back on the show next week. Let's take a short break and then we'll be back with the latest cruise news. Me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, If you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, We use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, And in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, And in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast, and uh, it gets to you about. 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a, a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about 4 Aussie um, dollars one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance And now it's time for the latest roundup of cruise news from around the world. And what a week it's been! We've got a lot of news to get through. But let's start off a little closer to home with the great news this week that P&O Australia uh, welcomed the return of the Ni Vanuatu crew on board the Pacific Explorer. P&O Australia has always had a very, very strong relationship with Vanuatu, and in fact, it's the only cruise line in the world to directly employ uh, Ni Vanuatu teammates. So they arrived into Sydney uh, last week and have joined the ship already and are preparing the vessel uh, as it prepares to take its first guests on its first sailing on the 31st of May. Also here in Australia, Penant has welcomed Laparous into Darwin ahead of the Kimberley season. Laparous will, of course, be one of two ships operated by Penant here uh, in the Kimberley. The Los will be the, the second ship. And, of course, uh, Laparous has been uh, in hibernation, I guess, uh, for want of a better word, in uh, Noumere. Uh, for two years over the, the pandemic. Her schedule will see the, uh, the resumption of cruising on the 28th of April, so that happened just a couple of days ago, uh, sailing, of course, from Darwin around to Broome. And then she'll continue through to September uh, for the full Kimberley season with uh, Le Soleil also adding two extra sailings in May and June to uh, thanks to the, the high demand for people wanting to get up to the Kimberley, which is great news all rounds. Next, we have some news from our friends at Princess. They, of course, have named... Uh, Discovery Princess in the port of L.A. They uh, had a host of TV stars, uh, Unite be uh, combined godparents uh, to officially name the Discovery Princess. Uh, These included uh, fashion designer Randy Fanoli, chef Alex Garanachelli, Uh, Special effects designer and fabricator Adam Savage and real estate broker and flipper extraordinaire Paige Turner. And a great celebration on board the pool deck as they uh, celebrated with the champagne smashing against the hull and officially naming uh, the medallion class uh, ship uh, which will be uh, 15 princess ships back in operation now so that's great news all round and of course Discovery Princess uh, was built in Fincantieri back in Italy, she's 3,600 guests thereabouts Uh, Costa have made an announcement this week that they have homeported Costa Venetia in uh, Turkey which is a new one they've actually partnered up with Turkish Airlines to make these great fly cruise package available from most main European uh, countries uh, with scheduled Turkish airline flights into Istanbul and transferring, of course, to Costa Venetia, which will actually be operating on two different seven night itineraries, allowing people to make uh, the best of uh, uh, one week holiday or combining to make two and not really repeating the the same port of calls. And uh, some of these ports of calls are in port for for more than 10 hours, so uh, great itineraries. Uh, The first itinerary um, sees Two-day, one-night call in Istanbul will go to Izmir and Bodrum in Turkey and also the islands of Mykonos and Athens as well. The second itinerary uh, sees uh, two-day, one-night in Istanbul and Kusadasi before heading off to Rhodes, Heraklion and Greece. And then in winter 22-23, Costa you will be offering a third 12-day itinerary to Turkey, Egypt, Israel, and Cyprus. Um, and, uh, of course, all of these new great itineraries are available from your local clear travel agents. Some great news for Holland America this week. They actually received an award for the best beverage menu at the... Uh awards which were taking place in uh, Miami. And uh, this award actually goes out to a brand new Half Moon Bar, which is featured on the latest, the newest ship for Holland America, which is, of course, the Rotterdam. The creative cocktails at Half Moon Bar aim to take best guests back on a journey through time including the history of Holland America let's take a little look at some of these drinks that are available on the, the Half Moon Bar we've got the original which celebrates the first ship Rotterdam 1, we've got the Half Moon which is an ode to the Dutch sense of exploration, we've got the Three Mile Run which is a prohibition cocktail that tells a story of the cruises to nowhere that happened for New Yorkers back in the day, uh, May She Be Blessed is an ode to the godmothers who have served uh, across the, the history of Holland America and then the uh, last one is Rotterdam Five, which is dedicated to the namesake ship, uh, combining a blend of tradition and innovation uh, to bring the best of Holland America. And also news for Holland America this week is that uh, the Westerdam has been redeployed from Asia to Australia, with announcements to be made uh, very very soon on the itineraries. It's not entirely clear whether the Westerdam will be taking over the Nordam's itineraries, which is already scheduled to be here, or if she will be additional, a second ship operating in Australian waters. And the reason behind this, of course, that there is a little bit of uncertainty in Asia as to which ports will be open. Uh, Australia has now announced that we will be open, so uh, they've decided to to make that uh, redeployment. Next up, Norwegian Cruise Lines. NCL has elevated the SPAR offering on Prima and Viva, which of course are the uh, Prima-class vessels which are on the horizon. The first two of six ships with this cutting-edge class will feature... The first charcoal sauna at sea, as well as a two-story cascading indoor spa waterfall, amongst other things. Lots of information about this in the show notes. We're probably going to refer you back to that because there's mentions of the different treatments that are also available uh, as part of this great news. Uh, other great news that has come out of Royal Caribbean this week is that they have uh, extended their partnership with the World Wildlife Fund (WWF). And uh, this is a great partnership that has been going for some time. In fact, since uh, 2016, and the goals uh, that uh, they've signed up to try and achieve over the next uh, kind of five years are through the ship. So, for continuous improvements in operational sustainability, including emissions, marine mammal protection, seafood sourcing, plastic reduction, and food waste, uh, we've. We've got... the sea component which is investing in ocean health through targeted philanthropy engaging with a global science driven agenda and consumer facing education and on shore they're embedding principles of sustainable development and projects increasing sustainability and certification of the tour operators that they use and this is in addition to a 5 million donation uh, contribution to the collaboration with the WWF to build further awareness uh, through through the work that they're both doing which is great news now if we say Hoka pocus or bibbidi-bobbidi-boo I think uh, you're pretty much thinking straight away of Disney and of course Disney Cruise Lines have uh, announced that they're going to be putting an extra spell on the new experiences for Halloween on the high seas. Now of course we're going to about six months away, but uh, Halloween is very much anticipated for people that uh, do love the the Disney Cruise experience, and uh, we've got some new things that are happening on board, include a first-of-its-kind character meet-and-greet. This will see uh, Minnie Mouse, Daisy Duck, and Clarabelle the cow ...debut in a new dress-up that has never been seen before... ...inspired by the Halloween sisters, the Sandersons... ...from the movie Hocus Pocus. Uh, Disney Wish will also debut a new magical pumpkin tree... ...with jack-o'-lanterns and flickering lights... ...and other special things that will be taking place... ...includes the Mickey Mouse, Scourade Party... Uh, The Halloween isn't just for kids, uh, uh, spooky movies, ghoulish delights, and many, many more. And uh, Disney has also announced that uh, the Summer 2023 itineraries will be opening on the 9th of May uh, this year, so uh, by the end of the week, in fact, by the time you're listening to this podcast, they're probably open for sale. And uh, this includes uh, Disney Dream's inaugural season in Europe, where she'll be sailing from Barcelona and Rome out on some beautiful 11-night itineraries, including uh, the first seven-night stop in the Greek Isles, uh, including Santorini and Mykonos. Later in the year, Disney Dream will then sail for Southampton, where she will operate on uh, some sailings in Northern Europe, including around the UK, out to France, Norway, and Iceland. In Alaska, we've got Disney Wonder, who'll be sailing from Vancouver. And then as we head over to uh, to Florida, of course, we've got Disney, which home porting in port canaveral um, sailing to Nassau and the disney private island castaway k in port canaveral we'll also have disney fantasy sailing on five to ten night sailings out to the east and west caribbean and disney magic will make its home in miami for a whole array of different uh, sailings which will be taking place from the 27th of may 2023 and a reminder all those sailings will be going on sale on the 9th of may AIDA, which is the German brand for the Carnival Corporation, has announced that... Aida Luna will be the first ship to arrive in Kiel this season. Uh, with uh, she'll be the first of four ships which will be homeported and uh, will be uh, making the best of northern Europe. Aida Luna will offer a 17-day itinerary to the highlights of the Arctic Circle and also some sort short three and four-night trips out to Norway and Denmark in September. There are 15 different routes available from Kiel, so you can choose to sail on Aida Luna, Aida Prima, Aida Nova, and also Aida. Bella. Now, Atlas Ocean Voyages is uh, a new player in the luxury expedition style cruising. They have actually announced uh, COVID insurance for all. And uh, this is uh, an assurance policy or an insurance policy um, that is included in the cost of your cruise fare, which covers you for a whole array of COVID type incidents that uh, hopefully don't occur, but just give you that little bit of peace of mind as well. So, well done to Atlas Ocean Voyages on that one. Uh, Chris is, of course, speaking about Cunard and the various different classes a little earlier in Cruise News. uh, Cunard has uh, announced that the uh, Britannia Club accommodation, uh, or that level, uh, will be uh, expanded even further on board the new ship, which is currently under construction, which is, of course, Queen Anne. Um, Cunard knows that the demand is there, and they've actually increased the volume of accommodation uh, in the Britannia class uh, by 200% versus the other ships in the fleet. So uh, giving more and more people the opportunity to uh, to experience uh, Britannia Club, and uh, also through to the Princess and Queen Grills Suites. Queen Anne, of course, is setting sail in early 2024, and her maiden season is expected to open for sale a little later this month, that is May 2022. Over in Europe, Azamara has uh, splashed onto the scene with Azamara Onward, which will be the fourth ship to uh, operate for Azamara, of course, and uh, lots of talk about what some of the plans might be for Azamara moving forward, with little hints that there may be other ships joining the fleet as well uh, in the not-too-distant future. But of course, Azamara Onward will uh, be christened and making her maiden voyage from Monte Carlo through to Venice, and then we'll see the inaugural season throughout the Mediterranean, where she will no doubt bump into some of her sisters along the way as well. Now MSC has made a statement to announce that they are setting their goals very clearly on net zero emissions by 2050 and have got a whole array of uh, doing that including the expansion of the uh, shore power facilities that are available, uh, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh, starting this Northern Hemisphere summer, MSC Virtuoso and Poesia will be consistently using shore power at the ports of Southampton in the UK and Rostock or Amunday in Germany. They've also signed an agreement with Cruise Baltic to achieve widespread use of shore power in the Baltic region by 2024. And MSC Cruises is ready to plug in more ports, with over half of the fleet is predicted to be shore power compatible by the end of 2022. Well done, MSC. Well done on that indeed. MSC also announced this week that the MSC uh, Seascape will be christened a little later uh, this year in New York. She'll be the 18th MSC ship christened. And of course, this will be undertaken by the uh, iconic godmother, Sophia Loren. And MSC Seascape will be offering two different seven-night itineraries from Port Miami. Eastern Caribbean calling at Ocean Cay, the private reserve for MSC. Uh, Nassau in the Bahamas, San Juan in Puerto Rico, Puerto Plata in the Dominican Dominican Republic. And then over in the Western Caribbean calling at the... uh, MSC Marine Reserve once again, Cozumel in Mexico, Georgetown in the Cayman Islands, and Oco Rios in Jamaica. And last up, we've got some news out of the European Waterways team uh, to say that they've got some uh, cabins available on a beautiful little opera cruise. That's right, they've got a themed cruise on the... Uh Venetian Lagoon, on board the beautiful Belvita. Just 20 guests this little beautiful ship takes. And it's a six-night all-inclusive cruise, which includes a performance of George Bizet's Carmen at the iconic Arena de Verona Roman Amphitheatre, and if that takes your fancy, of course, do get in touch with uh, your local travel agent and get them to go in touch with European Waterways because as I say, the vessel only takes 20 guests and this cruise departs on the 17th of July of this year. It will sell out very very quickly. Now that's all we've got in this week's cruise news, so uh, you would be pleased to hear that uh, that's me finished with the wrap up there. Um, but uh, of course, thank you again to, to Chris for joining me in a little earlier with the, the maritime history question for Anne. Uh, thanks again to Gary for sending through those great photos. Do take a look in the show notes and once again, if you do want to get in touch you can do so um, via the website thebigcruisepodcast.com in the top right hand corner click on join the show and uh, we look forward to including you in that as well thanks once again for listening guys have a great weekend cruise
0: be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels
1: If, like me, you're not a great fan of fast fashion and you prefer to do things uh, a little bit more sensitively if you can, All of our Big Cruise Podcast merchandise is uh, sourced using only organic cotton, produced using only green energy, and there is zero plastic used in any of the process or packaging. Um, It's a great alternative to uh, buying that cheap souvenir t-shirt. You can buy merchandise with the Big Cruise Podcast logo, or you can design your own. Simply jump on, we've got a whole heap of different uh, designs, different styles of clothing as well. And once again, it's all organic, it's all green energy, and there's zero plastic in the whole production. You'll find the link link to how to do that in uh, the show notes for each and every episode but just jump on the website the big cruise podcast and look in the top right hand corner
0: that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage